Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bel Air season one is over, but we are just getting started here on Bel Air, a post-show recap. My name is Chappelle, and this is a story all about how this Labor of Love podcast somehow, you know, between me and my friend just ended up leading us to interviewing the showrunners of one of the most popular shows on any streaming platform this year. And with me, as usual, the guy I am proud to call the Carlton Banks of this podcast, my boy, my bruv, and everyone's favorite podcast host, Puya. Puya, what's up? Yo, Chappelle, I'm excited to be here. I love that you're still calling me the Carlton, even though we found out you and Ollie share the same birthday. But yeah, listen, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we move though. I mean, I'm happy to be called the Carlton, given where we are. Chappelle, I can't believe we're here. This is exciting. This is amazing. Yeah, this is crazy. You couldn't have written this any differently. Like, I mean, it's out of this world. But you know what? We're here, and we're going to talk to. I mean, some amazing people today. I'm very excited to be able to introduce our guests. Uh, you listeners may know some of their previous works, including writing credits on the, sh- the hit shows Lie to Me, Army Wise, Switch Their Birth, The Shy. But introducing the showrunners of Bel Air on Peacock, TJ Brady and Rashid Newsom. How are y'all, fellas? Doing great. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Oh, no, no, no. This is our pleasure and our honor. I mean, I, I, seriously, we are jumping out of our skins right now with excitement. So just happy to have y'all. Um, we don't have nearly as much time as we would like. So I just have to jump right in. TJ, now that the show is completely streaming on Peacock, what has it been like to have the entire first season out there for the world to see? It's been really amazing. I mean, the biggest thing that that not surprised me that that was gratifying is how much love we're getting. And when people say it is, I wanted to hate this show, y'all. Wanted to hate it. But I'll tell you what, tuned in and I can't lie, you guys did something really good here. And that's just a testament to the entire cast, entire crew, everybody on up. I mean, it's been really gratifying. Yeah, Rashid, uh, you you both have been doing press work and interviews uh, since the show is finished, uh, such as this one. And what, what, what um, have you, like... Like reception, have you gotten from some of the other interviewers and some of like the the listeners and the and the viewers of the show? How has that been from your point of view? It's been interesting because normally people love your show just based on your show, but this show is linked to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and so that was both um, that was to our benefit, but it did pose some challenges. 
So people were interested in our show because they wanted to see what was going to happen with these characters. But as TJ mentioned, there was a lot of skepticism out there about how this was going to play out. And, you know, in pop culture, very few things meet our expectations, let alone exceed them. So it's great to be part of something that seems to have exceeded the expectations of a lot of viewers. Yeah, admittedly, I thought, wow, this show is way too beloved for someone to try to redo or reimagine. Puya actually felt strongly that we should cover it while I was a little bit more cautious. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to think. Um, thankfully, he convinced me, and man, it was the right decision. So one of my first questions is, why did you want to cover The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air specifically? I know you probably get this question all the time, but what did you want to bring to the reimagining? Uh, TJ, you can go first. I mean, look, we had an amazing guide in Morgan Cooper's viral trailer that sort of set out the vision, you know, let everybody know that you could look at this concept through a different lens. And so when you saw that the fire that that created, the way that took hold and the way that literally everybody had seen it, um, you know, you knew there's something there, you knew there was a hunger, but when we came aboard, what we wanted to do our best to do is just have a, a slightly bigger palette than Will's POV, um, bring in cast and bring in all these other people who could be just as dynamic uh, and hold their own with our lead character. And I think, you know, by and large, that was our mission. That's what we set out to do. And, you know, by the grace of God, here we are. Um, you know, so it was just sort of putting more characters up and you know showcasing a lot more characters was i guess our biggest um desire and what we wanted to bring gotcha rasheed what about you i really like the idea that we could tell this story about an affluent black family and we didn't have to fall into that old trope that as they got rich they got less black mm. and there still would be conflict there's still something to say about class and money and affluence and black excellence and the burden of it all. But I like that this could actually take the conversation places that it maybe couldn't go 30 years ago. I like that we could explore what it is to be black on all levels. And in no time are we questioning anyone's authenticity. All right. Sounds good. Rashid, is there anything that you just wouldn't touch, though? Is there something that you looked at the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and thought, I, we can't do that because people will tar and feather us? <laughs> I don't I don't know that you can't touch anything. I think one of the things that came up in casting was that we weren't looking for people to imitate the originals. So, you know, the late James Avery, like you weren't going to try and find someone to embody physically or even in mannerisms his characterization of Uncle Phil. That would seem sacrilege. Also, you're not going to find anyone who did that better than he did that. So it, it did sort of in casting make us say, we've got to get somebody who embodies the spirit of these characters, but we in no way want an imitation of what came before. Right. And I'm sure that's a struggle to have the show out and for people to initially say, well, this isn't my, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, I'm sure, TJ, you've seen some of that feedback, right? <laughs> of course. I mean, you know, and one of the biggest things we went, you know, in, in the reimagining was the character of Carlton. Um, that is a complete reimagining. I feel like that grabbed viewers by the throat and made them sit up and take notice. Um, and there were a lot of feelings about our portrayal of this 
you know, this Carlton, uh, what we were doing, what we were saying, um, you know, people had really strong feelings about it. And even if those feelings were initially negative, I have to say as writers, as creators, as people who love TV, that's a win for us. If people care one way or another, we win. We have made people care about fictional individuals who only live on their TV screen. And if you can do that, whether they love them or hate them, they're engaged and they keep coming back. And so, you know, that that was a big dice roll and we feel it paid off because that Ali Ali crushed it. And the journey of that character through the whole season, I think, was really something to watch. Yeah. Let's talk about that journey just a bit. Carlton. <laughs> It was such a beloved character to so many that going into this to see such a heel turn for something. I mean, it was jarring. It was like violent removal from what we knew <laughs> and we loved about Carlton Banks. Um, but like you said, Ali just killed it. Every week, y'all, me and Puya got on this podcast and we argued about who was the Carlton of the week. Like, I don't want to be Carlton. I don't want to be Carlton. By the end, we're like, okay. I'm Carlton. You're no, no longer Carlton. Carlton. Yeah. No, I, it's me. It's fine. So, <laughs> Rashid, what? How do you think? Like you, I'm sure you've spoken with Ali about this. How do you think he felt about some of the things that he heard and that his how his portrayal went, um, as opposed to what people expected from the original Carlton Banks? Ali loved every second of this. <laughs> I, was, I was deeply concerned. I said, you know, because I could tell, you know, how this was going to go, and I said, you're going to catch a lot of heat. And I was worried that this young actor would take it personally and take it to heart. And he understood that this just came with the job, that if people were uh, tweeting at him in anger, all that was done because he had made them feel something and he had executed it well. Uh, TJ and I have worked on a lot of shows and we've worked on shows where you'll write a line or you'll, you'll put in a plot turn and the actor will come to you and say, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable playing this. I don't know, and this this could be going too far. Ali never did that. He was always eager to dig in. I think he realized that this was a chance to play somebody who would have incredible impact on a show. I think he also understood what we understood in the writer's room, which is this was a very grounded choice, that when you looked at this story from Carlton's perspective, Will just shows up and takes so much that what's dear to him away so of course he's going to be jealous. Of course he's going to be mad. And we just, we, we charted this course that we felt like by the end of the season, people will understand where he's coming from and they'll be more sympathetic. But you've got to go through the first half of the season just knowing that everyone's going to hate your character. <laughs> right. Puya, you struggle with that, right? Definitely. I feel like it was one of those things where I think by the end of the show or by the end of season one, Carlton's growth was by far and wide the biggest story for me. And I absolutely loved seeing where he started, all the struggles he had in the middle to then get to where he is at that final scene of, of the season. I can't wait to see where he goes next. But Ollie did a stand-up job. Like mm. Chappelle would react so negatively to Carlton that I would send him stills of Ollie's face just randomly, middle of the day, through text. And he would not love that. He's okay with it now. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm very Puya is petty. No one gets pettier than Puya. And uh he did that throughout the entire season to the point where one day I was like, it's fine, Puya. I will uh, I will accept the Carlton role because yeah, at the end he came full circle. But and I'll I wonder... tell you as, as showrunners, I mean we love that everybody likes Carlton, but our challenge next year is he can't be a cuddly teddy bear. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's yeah. still somebody who has 
inflammatory opinions and, and, oh, yeah. and gets under the skin of people. And we've got to we've got to respect the growth of the character, but we've still got to br- gr- to bring that to the character. Right. And TJ, how do you th- think y'all are going to balance this? Like you want to make Carlton a realistic character. You, we've seen the sides of him in season one, but he can't like you said, he can't be perfect. And so, like, how do you balance making us still like Carlton, but not, you know, go back to that season one vitriol that everyone had for him? Well, listen, I mean, now the audience knows, you know, why Carlton is the way he is uh, from his upbringing to the environment he goes to school in to the unique pressures he faces. Um, you know, just being one of very few people of color in a largely white privileged environment. Um, and so, you know, the way we balance it is just trying to keep it real. What would a person who is really in that situation be like? What would they think? How would they express themselves? Um, and then we also, you know, so there's that side of it where some unpopular points of view or opinions may come out. But the thing now is he is bonded with Will. Um, and the audience loves Will. Jabari crushes it. Jabari is so, the, the guy walks on screen and you just love him. And the fact that that Will cares for Carlton and those two have come a long way, we think is going to bring uh, the audience a long way too, you know, just getting Will's buy-in on this guy who, you know, whatever opinion he may express, he's family now, you know, and you don't disown family. Yeah, and we love to see that because the struggle was real this season, trying to grapple with the Carlton versus Will of it all because I'm so so used to them being a dynamic duo. Um, but we've gone a long way into this podcast without talking about Jabari Banks as Will Smith. Um, the first time we watched the show, I remember Puya and I texting back and forth about how amazing he was. It felt like he spent years just shadowing and studying Will Smith or the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air proper. Um, now, he's a young guy, so I didn't necessarily think he had the connection to the show that some of us older viewers might have had. What was your experience working with Jabari? And was this just his natural talent? Because it feels like this role, for him to be his breakout role, like this was the role he was born to play. Well, he, he, like everybody else in the show, he was a fan of the original. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he, I mean, one year for Halloween, he dressed up and got his friends to dress up like the Banks family. I mean, he was Will. So, I mean, he probably <laughs> in a lot of ways was studying for this role. He just didn't know it was coming coming his way. Um, but a lot of what you are seeing is Jabari's natural talent, um, his emotional openness, his honesty, his availability. I think, you know, he's a great actor. He's also, and in a show like this, that's an ensemble, this is important and it can be overlooked. He is a good scene partner. So even when the scene isn't his, even when Ali is falling apart, you can feel that Jabari is very present and he's there to support Ali in those scenes. And that goes a very long way. There's a lot that Jabari does right that they're, they're not the talents that people normally notice, but they matter. Oh, yeah. And uh, TJ, did you feel like you were surprised by this level of like uh, range from somebody as, as fresh as Jabari? Or is this like when y'all did casting, you know, or when casting was done, I'm sure they were looking for a specific type of person. Was he just like the type of person you had in mind? He just got better and better and better every single round from the taped auditions to the callbacks to the chemistry reads. He improved. He shined. Everything we threw at him. He just, he, he could field it. 
and take it and make every note his own in a way that was super, super charismatic and all his own. And it just really sort of the vibe came right through the screen. It was incredible. Um, so we were very hopeful that he was going to be able to do all the things that we've come on and see him do. We weren't sure because he was a newcomer, but we were, you know, we placed a very big bet on him that paid off because he's just that good. I mean, he's great. It's it's just spectacular. It's like if you told me like just off the street that this was his first big role or first role in general, I was like, no, no, it's not. There's no way because he just was so excellent in his portrayal. Uh, Puya, what did you think? I mean, we talked about this. Um, there were moments, not only the acting, just the mannerisms he had down from the original. Like, Mike, he's walking the same way Will was walking. He's got the same, like, swagger going. That's why I really felt like a character study was done. But he he was he's a natural. He killed it. It was amazing. And for me, the biggest challenge was probably that finale. You know, his, his meetup with his head-to-head with Lou – and he made me feel all the emotions. Like, I went through a lot watching that. It was incredible to watch. Yeah. We'll get to the Lou thing a little bit later on because we do have a really good question <laughs> for y'all. Uh, but, you know, we talk about uh, Carlton and Will as a dynamic duo, but the two of you have been working together very long as well. I mean, I've only met Puya a couple years ago, Like we, I, but I was a big fan of Puya beforehand. Let me be very clear. I was like, man, one day it'd be <laughs> cool it. to podcast with him. No, no, no. Let's not be humble. I was a fan. Um, but like I said, we are now becoming a duo, but the two of you have been working together for a very long time. What was the dynamic of y'all taking the lead on something like this? Because I know a lot of your other writing credits have been like, uh, you know, for episodic things. Uh, but to cover this season and for this to be your own, was uh, was it difficult? Like, how did this thing work out between the two of you? Rashid? It was. I mean, the, the assignment was difficult. I mean, you're launching a show that's based on another show that was beloved to the audience. So that that assignment is tough. Uh, we also had pretty strict deadlines. The show's got to premiere after the Super Bowl. They were not going to move that date nor the Super Bowl on our account. So we we had that kind of pressure. But we have we've been working together for so long, and like we're writing pro- partners, but we're also like brothers. So I I mean I did feel good, and I was like I've got TJ. You know, like we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. And between the two of us, it felt like well we can tackle this. Yeah. yeah, it was it was absolutely essential, I think, to have a partner in this. Um, there were times, given the stress and the deadlines, that I think if if I know if it was just me, I don't know that I would have made it. Um, it was it was a wild times, you know, wild times getting this thing off the ground, um, and we knew it had the potential to be great, which keeps you going through the hard times. But you know, when you're just you know digging as hard as you can in the dark, you don't know how you know what kind of progress you're making. But I had a partner I could turn to and go, how are we doing, man? And he could do the same with me. And it meant a lot. And and uh, I think the show would not be anywhere near what it is had it just been one of us. That's amazing. And and you all have had the support of the original creators, Will Smith, Quincy Jones, uh, Benny Medina, who are all producers, right, on the show. What was it like working with these huge names that were tied to such an iconic franchise? Well, mostly you're you're just worried that they're going to throw thunderbolts down and strike what you've made. I mean, because that's the thing. You know, we create these outlines and these scripts and we get all this material going and it's going to everybody, you know, all the way up the chain. And you're not sure if you are going to do something that they object to uh, or don't like. 
to our great relief, no one ever actually pulled us aside and said, you can't do that with Carlton or you can't do that with Hillary. So and, and to that extent, it was very supportive um, with a project. We've been on projects where, you know, someone has come down on from on high and, and told you what you can and can't do. We had a tremendous amount of freedom on this show. TJ, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, much like Rashid said, um, you know, all of those names you described, all the history, all the legacy, that was one of the things that we could, you know, it could either be a barrier to success or it could be a boost to success. And we were just lucky that, you know, all those names and the whole machine, you know, the entire machine behind it and behind them got behind us too really and that was key to the success of the show that's great and uh we i put a pin in the lou conversation but i have to shoot this to my co-host we had some theories throughout the season we were like who is the dad going to be who you could you tell tell them everybody what we were thinking yeah so it came up to like close to the penultimate episode and we could tell lou is going to be the reveal probably in the finale who is it going to be and then i threw a comment out there at the tail end of the podcast what if Will is going to play Lou? What if that's going to be the scenario? And we were not ready for that theory. I feel like we got very like pan. Oh my God, no, no way. That can't be the case. And then when the reveal was Marlon Wayans, that was even more of a shock to me. I did not see that coming at all. I did not expect him. Um, now, I had not really seen him in any serious roles in the past. So I was very surprised that he was about to tackle this. And ultimately... I was blown away. So what I want to know is how did, was Marlon always on the list of options? How did this come about? I'm very curious. There was, there was, there was a long list and I'll tell you one of the things that I think sort of tipped it to Marlon and we were glad he said yes. I mean, in a situation like this, you present the role to an actor of his stature and hope that they, they choose you. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we were going for is what if Will met his dad and his dad wasn't someone he could hate as easily as he thought he could. What if I meet him and he's sort of lovable and he makes you want to smile and he's sort of charismatic and Marlon brings all that to the table just with his persona that, you know, I mean, not to, not that this actor was on the list, but like, you know, if Ving Rhames shows up, that might be somebody (laughs) you're a little more ready to go toe to toe with and you expect a harder person. But Marlon shows up and he can tell you these great stories about taking you back to the Sixers game and sneaking you into the locker room. He can win your heart in a way. And we wanted to be able to have that turn. We didn't want this to be just one note. They're just they're just button heads. We wanted someone who could be cool enough to win Jabari's heart for at least a little while. And that that's where I think Marlon sort of broke from the pack. Yeah, and we've talked about Will, and we talked about Carlton, and now Lou, but who was your favorite character to write for, TJ, and why was it Jeffrey? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, Jeffrey, one of the biggest, not surprises, but like, because we knew how awesome Jimmy was when we cast him. We knew what we had in mind for this character, but the incredible, you know, just outcome when you took the hopes and dreams and scripts we had written and combined them with Jimmy Akingbola. I mean, the audience reaction was off the hook as it should have been. 
Um, we have so much fun writing for that character because, you know, we don't have to tie things up. The mystery is part of the fun. Letting people's imaginations run wild is part of the fun. You know, let, you know, there's so many questions people have about them. And, and, you know, I got news for people. We're not planning on answering them all because that ah. is part of the mystique. We're going to answer some. We're going to tease some. You know, stuff's going to come out that people didn't expect. And, and we're just going to continue to build that Jeffrey mystique. You know, maybe one who knows? Maybe we'll get a spinoff one day. I don't know. <laughs> this is famously a pro Jeffrey podcast. And if That's no right. one else will stand, we definitely will. Uh, it seems like you all had so much fun with the characters, despite the dark twist on the show. Uh, we love what you did with Hillary and Viv, Uncle Phil. But many of our listeners, ourselves included, want to know if we have much more we can expect from the only LGBTQ representative on the show, Ashley Banks. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're not we're not we're not done with that story. <laughs> um, and it's and what I think I like about it is. Um, it's about her identity and her place in the world. Um, I mean, the character is very young, so it's not, we're not, it's, it's not so much emphasis on her sexual nature as it is her sexual identity. Um, and there's a lot to still say there. Um, and, and I think we've, as we've been laying out season two, that's a very important, uh, storyline for us and for the show. It's something that distinguishes the sh our show from what I think they could have told 30 years ago. Yeah. And, and judging by the looks of the cast, we can tell it was probably so much fun being on set and making this show happen. Puya, I know you had questions about uh, some of the moments of season one. I did. Well, I, I just, you know, I'm curious because the interviews I checked out were from around when you, the show had just started. And then Rashid, you did an interview where you were in the middle of recording the finale, shooting the finale. So what I want to know is, are there any fun moments, funny moments you can share with maybe one or two that happened during your recording throughout season one? I mean, I'm trying to think of funny. I mean, like they're funny all the time. They're all right. I mean, they're funny if they make a mistake. Uh, they love to give each other the business when someone flubs the line. Um, I'm trying to. Think, I mean, the it was great when when Marlon was there because you know, as you can imagine, those scenes were so intense that even after they yelled "cut," the, everybody'd be silent for a second, and then he would just say something hilarious. And I felt that was good. It sort of cut the tension because, I mean, we did Marlon scenes over two days. So, you know, 12 to 14 hours of just that emotional heaviness, I think would have been really hard. But he lightened the mood. Uh, Jabari lightened the mood. I mean, Jamar, Jabari and, and Ali are goofballs. So that also, I mean, they're just they're just fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can tell you about the time I came into the Uncle Phil's office set and Jabari was in there juggling for the, the crew. Like he's the, the dude can juggle. He's a multi-talented dude. And so go in there and he's juggling and he's all sorts of stuff, props and everything. And you're like, all right, um, this is interesting. And, uh, and then he's trying to teach Ollie to juggle. Like that is the vibe on set. You know what I mean? That p we have a piano in the, in the foyer area. They're always around that in between takes playing songs and singing, you know? So it's not so much funny as it is fun. There's a real right. sense of family between this cast and the crew. And, and just, you know, it's it's kind of the things that um, people like Rashid and I have dreamed of and glad we could be a part of. 
Yeah, I'm glad you bring up the piano because I've heard now that this is not this was not planned, but it was in the show that we found out that um, uh, Jabari could play the piano. Um, but that's like a really cool Easter egg from the original series. You know, Will was sitting around playing the piano on episode one, and I was just like, mm-hmm. "How did they do that?" But y'all didn't plan this, Rashid. This just came up no, because they were hanging out. About Easter eggs, I mean, people find the ones you you plant it, and then they find ones you didn't even plant. You're like, oh, <laughs> you bring it back, and you go, "That's great." Um, it's, it, it is exciting. I mean, I think that's sort of, um, uh, it's part of the luck of the show that a lot of things aligned, even when we weren't planning them. Um, I mean, it, not that planning isn't important, but I think this is a show where we allowed a lot of things to, to be discovered and to sort of come into the show organically. And, and I think that makes it feel less forced. I think it makes it feel real. Yeah, and and when we've just about ran out of time, but we've completed season one. And Puya, what am I correct? You told me that this show won't be available. Season two won't be available till twenty twenty three. Yeah, I saw the announcement. I was sad. I was like, I can't wait. But I have seen on social media that you know the writers have met up. The season two writers are you know met up in person. So what's the energy right now how are you both feeling going into this new season with the with the public very much praising the show with with it being the number one show on peacock right now what's the energy like well you've got to be happy i mean with that with that kind of uh success uh at your side i mean we're thrilled and last season um you know we had a lot of work to do just sort of establishing some of these relationships and getting them down and it didn't leave us time to sort of examine other sort of pairings and relationships that we now feel in season two we can dig into so for one, I know people talked about it. They were like, oh, I miss I miss sort of like Ashley and Will because that relationship was so sweet in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Well, Will was pretty busy this season with <laughs> Carlton and everything else he had to do. But next season, we can put an emphasis on that and we can we can deliver on that sort of promise. So it's it's that we get to sort of go to these new places with the characters we've established. Oh, yeah, that I'm so excited. I am so angry at you two for making us wait till 2023 uh i better get my sunflower dance or i'm gonna riot um but that about wraps everything up i do have to ask though normally around this time we give our social media plugs tell everybody what what that what we're up to but this is about y'all so um rashid i do want to ask i hear you have a book coming out tell us a little bit about that i do have a book coming out it's called my government means to kill me it's a novel comes out august 23rd it's available for pre-order now wherever you get your books and it is um and this is weird because it sounds like i'm going to tell you it's funny and it's sexy but it's also about a gay black man who goes to new york during the height of the aids crisis in the 80s and becomes a member of act up so that is coming out and you can find me on twitter uh at rashid newson and you can find me on instagram at rashid.newson.author and TJ, uh, you have anything fun and sexy uh, that you want to share? And where can the people find you? I mean, I'm always working on something, but nothing, nothing coming out uh, other than Bel Air. Um, you can, you can find me on Instagram. It's just at TJ Brady, or on Twitter, it's at TJ Brady TV. Um, I don't post that much, but when I do, it's just going to be all positivity and love. That's all I'm going to, you know. Nothing but positivity and love. I'm I'm not getting canceled over social media. <laughs> <laughs> love it. 
Love it. So yeah, that, that wraps up our interview. Puya, I know you have a lot going on. I have a lot going on. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you this week. All right, they can find me on Twitter at Puyaism. You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Puya. Um, and the 90 Day Fiance podcast, Going Strong. I've got a new episode out this week um, with Scally. So check that out. And then the Mass Singer podcast, we're back. We're on the road to the finale. One more episode before we're done. I'll be talking about that, of course, with my partner, Liana. And uh, that's about all you can get from me this week. All right. And then, as usual, you can find me here on Post Show Recaps talking about The Walking Dead. Fear of the Walking Dead is, is never going to end, so I will be here forever. Um, but then also, uh, we are still talking about Atlanta. Myself, Latanya Starks, and Mari Forth are wrapping up this season of Atlanta. It's been a good time. It's been an interesting season. And so we got a lot to talk about. Check that out. And check me out on Rob Has a Podcast, where myself and the uh, owner of the company, Rob says, you know, uh, co-hosts our podcast, Nothing But Netflix, where every week we cover a different Netflix property. Um, and so this week, I think we're talking about some Mike Myers movie, The Pentaverate or something. Uh, it'll be a good time. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that as well. And so you can follow me as usual at Chappelle's underscore show on Twitter. Follow Puya, follow Post Show Recaps, follow our two guests and ke- ke- keep up with us and everything we're doing. And until next time, we will talk to you all later. Peace. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.